Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I'm a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. And today I'll be talking to Robin Guthrie, perhaps best known as the former guitarist and songwriter for influential dream pop group The Cocktoo Twins. In addition to his work with that group, he's had many production credits and has also worked on collaborative projects with artists including John Fox and the late Harold Budd, and has also had an equally prolific solo career. And speaking of prolific solo careers, he's back with two new releases. He has an EP entitled Mockingbird Love and a full-length album entitled Pearl Diving. Today's episode, Guthrie discusses his new releases and the creative process behind them, why he's been away for so long, memories of working with the late Harold Budd, the legacy of the Cocktoo Twins, future projects, and much more. So take a listen and be sure to hang around afterwards. I'll be playing a track off the new album. First off, I, I, I noticed you released, you released your new EP, Mockingbird Love, and you've got a full-length, uh, Pearl Diving, which is your first full-length album in nine years. And I guess I was just wondering what kind of inspired you to put out so much material at once after being away for so long. What was the impetus for that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah, it's just being away for so long. Perhaps that's, that's that's perhaps all there is to it. But, you know, I certainly got a shock last year when Harold passed uh, just after we got that record out. And I spent the first couple of months this year just moping around, feeling really kind of a bit... Uh, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, not aimless, but just like, uh, you know, the reason I stopped putting a lot of music out is, well, first of all, I just burnt myself out when I made uh, uh, Fortune. That was a really emotional and eventful record to make. It just really sucked the life out of me. And for me at that point, it, it kind of also seemed to, attract very little in the way of uh, an audience, you know. Uh, I think perhaps I just got a little bit, uh, I just put that a little bit too much into it. And emotionally, it was like I, I didn't get anything back, you know. Uh, and I just thought, well, you know what? <laughs> you know, a wee bit. It was like I needed to go and play shows, so I got distracted with going to play shows. Recorded some more stuff with Harold after that. Uh, did some more shows with Harold, and it just you know kept recording music and doing a lot of little things, producing a lot of things, uh, which is quite time consuming as well. And then I uh, got to a place where I just started to move away and started to spend a lot more time doing photography. And basically, I spent about two years just. I did some music, but I was just, you know, I was just, just doing old school photography. My father-in-law had uh, recently retired. He was a photographer all his life. He had these cameras, you know, with the, you know, the big ones you put your head in. Oh, yeah. You know, big, large format stuff. And I just wanted to know how to do that. And uh, here's an old guy that was going to show me. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really exciting. And... Uh, an, an ideal outlet for my sort of uh, creativity. And, and that's something that's absolutely uh, essential for me uh, is to have a flow, is to have an output. You know, I absolutely thrive on, you know, going into studio with nothing and coming out with something. You know, mm -hmm. I kind of need to, uh, that's it, I just need to do that. So, you know, it's a hygiene thing, really. 
mental hygiene is good for me to do that. So, yeah, I focused a little bit away from music and started to do sort of visual things. And, you know, unsurprisingly, my kind of, well, it was unsurprising to me because I didn't know what I was doing the same way. I don't know what I'm doing really with music either. Uh, you know, it's quite uh, it's quite an intuitive thing in my I like the way that my pictures looked and, you know, it was like uh, they didn't look like other people's. They just looked a bit like the way my music sounds, I think. Uh, yeah, I was just pleased. But then I sort of just, you know, you, you always come back to what, you know, uh, what you do as well. I mean, I couldn't really justify having a recording studio. And, you know, I'd be, so all through this period I've been making music, but none of the things that I did sort of fell into a... Uh, a project per se, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I've got three songs, I could make an EP. Everything was sort of more isolated and, you know, doing a lot of travelling, a lot of recording elsewhere, uh, you know, just, you know, whether that's sitting in a hotel room with a guitar and a laptop somewhere exotic or whether it's just on a train or whatever, just, you know, just getting the outside into my sort of system and that's the way that I can make music. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's like I don't, you know, have that thing where I go and hang out with the guys and we do a jam and all that sort of thing. There's so many different ways that people that I know make music and it's just so alien to me, completely alien to me. Uh, so, yeah, I just do my thing, you know, and, uh, yeah, I came back to it and I made Mockingbird Love earlier this year. Uh, you know, the early part of the year, as I, say, as I tried to say before, uh, I just sort of floated about and thought, right, I think I really need to get some music out again. That's missing. Uh, and I sort of got rid of my studio. I just emptied out, sort of changed a lot of equipment. I rebuilt it, uh, you know, put things in a different place. I used different guitars, different effects, different, you know, everything and made music that sounds remarkably like I didn't change anything at all. <laughs> but, but, but ain't that the way, you know, it's like I can make my music on anything. That's not the equipment that counts, really. It's uh, it's what goes into it, I guess. So, Well, do you remember what the first song was that kind of kicked everything off? You know, once you kind of had your new process in place, how that started? Yeah, yeah. I just made the Mockingbird Love uh, just pretty much straight off. Uh, and then made the album pretty much straight up. But then during those sort of uh, the making of the album, I just started to make more EPs. I started to go down little avenues that I wanted to explore in a different way. And you know, going back to Cocktail Twins, I loved that the way that we made EPs because it was like a it wasn't committing to make an album, but it was like let's try this stuff or let's do an EP. Let's just do four tracks or three tracks. So uh, just going back to that. Uh, the other thing that happened is like I got really, really, really nonplussed with the uh, traditional um, music business. I think you could say just the, the way that, you know, even if you're on a little indie label, you know, it's still, you know, I make some music and I've got to wait like four months or six months for it to come out. Um, why? You know, so I kind of, uh, I kind of threw myself into band camp a little bit. And so I, I can actually, make things happen an awful lot quicker. I can, I, you know, I've got a huge backlog of unreleased material because, you know, things traditionally have been 
I don't know, more people involved, longer times, longer run-ups, more people needing to make money out of it, more, you know, more distributors, more this, more that, more, more mouths to feed. And essentially it gets away from the fact that I can do this stuff and I can just get stuff directly to, well, not everybody, but a whole bunch of people that are interested, you know, because it sort of focuses where people look a little bit. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, a sort of microsystem of its own, but, uh, you know, there's a, and, and it's easy to forget there's a, there's a, there's the rest of the music world out there as well. But it sort of works for me uh, in as much as I can put things there fairly directly and get feedback from people that actually like it and they're not ambivalent about it. Like, you know, what happens when you're, you know, in your 50s and you sort of make music and people go, oh, yeah, but I like that stuff you did when you was like 19. So, <laughs> can't tell you how old that gets, but you know, I, I should be kind of grateful. But sometimes I'm not because it's like, uh, how old are you? Oh, I'm I'm fifty. Just turned fifty a few months ago. So. You're fifty. So I'll bet when you were fifteen, you did some things that made you a bit of a dick. You know, it's entirely possible, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine that every time you switch your computer on, there's a picture of you when you were fifteen. You know, and it's like. Uh, this here is here is uh, Michael defined by what he did when he was you know an adolescent. <laughs> yeah. That's your life. It's over. It's just defined by that. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of that's a wee bit to carry. And I'm not the only person that's like that. There must be an awful lot of uh, people. I mean, this is strange that we. I don't know if this was a thing that happened in in the past. You know, in the fifties and sixties and. 70s and things, yeah. You know, the fact that you've still got your Rolling Stones and things like that, do you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like a, a, period, a period where people have been making what we'll call rock music, and all those guys are getting old now. You know, that never, I, I, to, to the best of my knowledge, that didn't really happen before, or maybe I'm just a bit blind, but you know, so there's more people out there making music, and it's you know, uh, you know, I kind of never decided really to make music for my life that was just sort of that was just I wanted to make a record that was a teenage thing that happened there so you end up uh, a few years later going what the what just happened there how come I'm still doing this doing the same thing as I did uh, yeah but you know it's great um I used to say I got the best job in the world. Then for some, then for a long time, I didn't have the best job in the world. At the moment, I feel like I've got the best job in the world because my expectations are fairly low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, really, really, there's nobody else here blowing smoke up my ass telling me I'm fucking brilliant, like what I had in all the years of being a, you know, a teenager and a, on a record label with a following. You know, it's uh, it's just pretty down to earth. I like it. It's kind of so you kind of prefer the uh the immediacy now of being able to put stuff out online not having to mess with the record company as like a middleman is that something that that you like better yeah i do like it because it's quite new i mean i know people have been doing this for a while but you know a lot of my uh you know experience has been you know uh from an industry that no longer exists you know the the way that the music industry was, uh, you know, in the 80s or whatever, so far away from there. And, you know, you know, the fact that I've got a choice whether I make my music on vinyl or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, 
we never used to have a choice. That was the only thing we could do, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, we, we just all evolve and we just gather information and we move forward in our lives and hopefully we try to be a little bit uh, more, I don't know, evolved is a good word, you know. And, you know, I don't keep my head uh, in the past at all. So I tip my hat to it from time to time and go, thank goodness I was in Cotter Twins and not one of those other groups. And you can name a million groups from the 80s that you can't, you, you know, that may be difficult to go back and look at with any sort of sense of pride. But yeah, I've got a sense of pride about that. Well, um, I mean, speaking about that, when you're working on your solo work versus working with the Cotter Twins or even with the Herald, do you, do you, like that better or is it just different what do you think what are the kind of pros and cons of, of both i don't differentiate at all but basically essentially my process the way that i make music now has been the same way effectively not since i started because i wasn't able to record immediately uh but when head over heels came which was the second album and that was the first time that i put myself in this seat here i'm in my studio by the way that's why i said this seat uh and just take charge of everything. And that's really, there's a direct lineage from there to here. Uh, I haven't really changed what I do. I get in the studio, I get inspired, I make music and I, I mix it. When I work with other people, we pretty much work in the same way. I mean, Harold and I, we never used to like write music together. We would go to the studio together and do what I do, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know. And, you know, it was great because his, whole discipline, his whole area of music and expertise was, you know, so radically different to mine. You know, he he could, he had manuscript paper with like notes written down and stuff like that. I was just so intimidated and uh, <laughs> yeah, really do that. But you know, I guess I brought technology and I brought like something different as well. We didn't need to stand on each other's toes to do that. We just had a right old laughing studio, really. Uh, and we both had a deep sense of, you know, beauty. You know, we're both quite, uh, uh, yeah, we've a lot, a lot in common, but, but very different as well. And, uh, yeah, he was much older as well, and I didn't really, because uh, I lost my dad when I was quite young, so didn't really ever have many older people in my life. So that was a kind of bonus as well. And do you... What do you think you learned from Harold as far as your songwriting is concerned? How do you think that he impacted you? You know, uh, I don't know how to say that without seeming sort of uh, uh, frivolous, but I, I could say, well, nothing really because our process is so different. You know, his music that he makes is like, you know, he'd do a big drony note and then 30 seconds later he hit two notes on the piano and it's absolutely gorgeous. Whereas I just can't not do something for that long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, no, no, I've got to put more stuff in. Just one more harmony. Okay, just one more harmony. Maybe just one more. You know, that kind of thing. So, no, like I say, I mean, we influence each other on a personal level, probably, because we just used to, you know, that's part of the fun of making a record together that we got on well. So, I miss him. But, you know, I, I don't really think that I compromised what I do in the studio to work with Harold. Uh, no, not at all. I just, just slot it in, you know. Uh, 
certainly uh, working with other people, working with Mark Gardner from Ride. So that was more like a writing song sort of thing. But again, in the studio, or Mark would say, I've got some chords or something like that. Different process. Uh, I've spent more time in the studio producing people than I do collaborating with them. And mm. for me, that's, yeah, that's, I think, I, I think ultimately at the end, of, I, I don't feel, when, when I produce people, I don't feel like I need to compromise at all because, uh, but when I've uh, perhaps, uh, you know, the, the record that I did with Mark, for instance, is a record that neither of us would have made on our own, you know, musically. Because mm-hmm. it was like, can I quite devoid of, you know, kind of things that were synonymous with, you know, ride or what I do. It was quite devoid of that, you know, we had his acoustic and, you know, and some bloody congas, you know. It's yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what's going on here? But that's good as well, you know, just to try something like that. Is that album coming out soon that, that you both did together or has it already been released? Or It came out in 2015. Oh, I need to go back and and discover that then. Well, yeah, uh, if you like. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that's different again. So, Well, do you think there's a difference when you're writing an instrumental versus something with vocals going back to kind of delving back in the area again? Do you approach songwriting differently when you're doing a song with no vocals or is it just the no no you know the interesting thing uh is with culture twins uh i made instrumentals and then when the piece of music was finished elizabeth would get her vocals together and sing on it but that's the way that pretty much from a to z that's how we worked uh so making instrumentals is like falling off a log for me uh interestingly though i mean once Elizabeth would come up with something and it would really perhaps turn the whole song around and make it into something that it perhaps wasn't going that way. I would take some of the things that I've done out, you know, make space with vocals and stuff like that. So it's not like a cut and dry, it's an instrumental with vocals on top. I think the, the sort of craft within that is knowing to take things out as well, mm-hmm. you know, I guess. But, but it's certainly not a, you know, I, I would, always want to be really happy with a piece of music that I've done before passing it on to anybody. So, yeah, write an instrumental. Uh, instrumentals has got to, you know, uh, I said this in another podcast, so I hope I don't get sued for saying the same thing twice. <laughs> saying somebody else's thing, but uh, it's like the human voice, right? I've had loads of time to think about this. I had 40 years to think about this. Human voice is like so instantly uh, recognizable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it, it's, it's emotions embodied in like sound, you know, and very, very, very unique, you know, and that's the challenge that I have uh, when I make instrumental music because I need to give it my voice. My voice is, you know, something that can be fairly easily imitated if you have, like, a couple of modern pedals or something like that, you know. Uh, whereas you can't really do that with a human voice. You know, someone goes, oh, you're trying to sound like that person. But you don't really sound like that person because it's so unique. Mm-hmm. And I just really need to keep myself uh, 
I need an expressive voice in order to convey emotions within instrumental music to take, you know, to get it out and also to make it not boring, you know, to make it sort of, there's going to be something in there that will uh, take you the same place a human voice could, you know, uh, on a, you know, bass level, a sort of uh, mid-brain, back of the head sort of animal part level. That's where the emotion is coming and, uh, yeah. And it's it's definitely not cerebral. It's definitely not like overthought. It's really about how certain notes and how certain schemes and things make you feel, or how I can get how I feel into the notes and the the sounds in a very expressive way. Well, that yeah. Well, I was going to say that kind of leads me to my next question, which I'm, I'm listening to both the new releases, which I've enjoyed very much. I've really really like what I've heard, but whether it's like I, uh, Copper or Mike Curtis on off the EP or I, your ocean air off Pearl diving, there's such a signature sound to what you do. It's very emotive, even instrumental. I, I, I feel that, but you have a way of kind of tapping into that, but you still sound contemporary. And can you tell me how you kind of first developed your unique guitar style and how it's changed over the years, how you've modified it or, or has it pretty much stayed the same or how does that evolve? I guess from when you began. Well, I think you just answered yourself. You answered yourself. It evolves. You know, I don't consciously, I do so many things with music or without thinking about it. Uh, I do make changes. I, well, I was speaking to you earlier. I said, you know, change my studio, change the guitars I use, change the tunings, use different instruments, different types of guitars. But, you know, the place that it gets to is, is what I'm trying to, you know, it's not a product of just a couple of boxes and a couple of pedals and stuff like that and then anything. But for me, it's like once you get the, the sound in the right area, then you're playing the sound. You're not playing, you know, it's like, you know, a computer mouse is what we use to uh, input data into a computer. You know, I use a guitar as an sort of input device almost to get the notes in to the things that will generate the big sound and stuff, you know. So I'm interested in not really playing the guitar at that point. I'm interested in playing the sound that I'm hearing coming back off the speakers. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's you're you're kind of it's not just about playing it. I mean, I almost feel like in some ways the guitar stuff you do almost doesn't sound like a guitar at times. It sounds so 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 alien and different. Was that kind of a conscious approach, or that's just how it's just how it comes uh, out? Like I said, there's not very many conscious approaches, you know. Uh, alien and different, I don't know uh, about that because it's not alien and different to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I ever... I mean, everything finds its place. I'm not sure that I actually consciously go out and say, oh, right, I, 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 want, I want a different sound. I have an idea of the sound that I want in my head. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or how this certain sound will go together to create a third sort of thing, which was a, a big sort of, uh, it's not a trick, but it's like the Cocteau Twins. If you, you know, uh, if you strip down what I'm playing, you can probably find you can play most of it with like uh, one finger or two fingers. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, uh, it's really not complex. Uh, what I do is not complex, but it's, it's, I don't know, it just all kind of goes together. 
I don't know, it's difficult to explain without on an audio podcast because I'm waving my fingers about here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes together, but it sort of does. Well, I think also there's a very cinematic quality to what you do. And you mentioned you've been doing photography. And I wondered, I mean, do are you inspired by images or film when you do music? Does that ever, or do you almost... I'm only- I'm only inspired. Tell you what, music doesn't inspire me in the slightest. Right? Uh, my I, what I bring into the studio is my experience. Whether uh, if I'm traveling, I bring in travelogues in my head, places I've been, or actually I just go places and work there. You know, uh, whether it's like in the middle of the desert or you know in a caravan, you know, by the ocean, uh, I can do something that that helps. I read like a motherfucker. I just, that's my chosen way to unwind and to kind of relax. I'm a big reader, so I kind of get a lot of inspiration from what I read. And, you know, music is, yeah, I hear music in my life, but I'm, I don't actively go out and uh, chase the, all the hot new bands to find out who's cool and who's not. And, you know, that would just be, what's that going to do for my music, you know? That's not going to bring anything into it. I've never fed my music with other music. You know, that's sort of like a weird sort of cannibalism, isn't it? Really? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I don't, you know, so it's really about experience. And images are very, very strong. So uh, <laughs> this wall here, in my, I just sort of uh, tidied it up, but it was looking like a 14-year-old girl's bedroom. Because it was just... <laughs> Tasted with loads of pictures of things that I've seen or done or, or interesting. It's kind of like an inspirational thing. And, yeah, things like that. But you, you mentioned motion pictures. You know, when I'm working on a motion picture, that is, uh, I'm already so completely distracted from, you know, myself and my instrument because I'm watching the picture. My job within that is to, you know, help tell a story. I don't have a job when I'm making more music. It's just to sort of uh, just do whatever comes to mind and, come and pleases me, you know, answerable to nobody. So, yeah, doing movie things is really good because I get to use my skills, but in a different way. Yay. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You know, it's, it's really good. I've enjoyed, I've hardly done any, but I've enjoyed what I've done. It's been really cool. And just being part of something as well is nice, you know, because, you know, I tend to, I do have a tendency to overpower things when I take, you know, control of a studio. I kind of, I do dominate it. So having that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's part of a movie. It's quite, uh, it's a good taming sort of thing for me not to take things too far, you know. It's, 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 it's good, you know, every now and again. Don't know if I can do it all the time, uh, but uh, I think sonically uh, my sounds and my music could be great in a lot more movies, actually. Yeah. Very judgmental when I watch movies. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't done that. No, no, I haven't done that. No, no. <laughs> well, have you given any thought on on any live performances for this? Or I mean, I know that right now it's kind of tricky with touring with COVID, of course, but have you given any thought to doing that? Or If there's any uh, positive thing to come out of COVID, it's given me a really good excuse not to go anywhere near a stage, and frankly, I'm okay with that. Uh, 
never, ever, ever in my life been a comfortable performer. And uh, of late, I mean, again, around going back to the album Fortune, I wasn't, I found a, made that album, I told you, it was like a really draining, emotional album where it was really complex. It's probably the most complex record I ever made in terms of like, you know, if you peel away the layers of each song, there's so many other layers underneath there. It's, it's like, shit, there's a lot going on there. Uh, couldn't play it live at all. Tried. Failed, failed miserably. You know, it's really cool. So then I'm, so then I'm doing shows where, you know, the majority of the set is sort of six, seven, eight, nine years old. And I'm like, ah, I want to be. I don't want to be doing that. And then when I do shows with Harold, Harold and I never, ever used to play the, the things that we played on records. We just used to improvise our shows. Really, there'd be. Uh, it was absolutely terrifying. It was fine for him because he only played four notes, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, was filling, I was filling in a lot of space. No, it's just like, uh, yeah, I'll miss that, but it was absolutely terrifying. I think he was uh, probably more comfortable with the performance than, than me, but it was, he hated rehearsing and practicing and stuff. So we would, we would just write down a few notes. It's like, you know, B flat. I'm like, what? B flat, B flat, okay, you know, Google B flat, okay, I know that one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's this kind of thing, it's sort of odd, you know, that's, that's kind of how it worked. But that was good, I missed that, but, uh, you know, I couldn't see myself just improvising things on my own. I've done that before, but it's it's just, uh, what's the word? Terrifying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So, no, I don't really see that for the moment, but, you know, I mean, I don't know what's coming next year. You know, I'm just a bit psyched at the moment about finding a sort of way to put out music and get it out to people and not having it create a big log jam in my head, you know, because I've got sort of things that are not just hanging around and not coming out. Well, speaking of that, are you planning anything else in the works now? Are you just kind of give us some time for these albums to be digested, or have you given any thought to other projects or anything? Yeah, I've got another EP coming out in December the 3rd, and another one coming out on January the 4th. Uh, I've got some things in manufacture for uh, the first quarter of next year as well. So, yes. <laughs> now, you know, it's... I kind of there was a there was a period early in uh, our Cocteau Twins days when we just put out lots of we put out three three records a year, you know, like EPs or whatever singles album, and it was like quite a regular thing. And I just thought in the last few years people seem seem to be, you know, making a lot less things. There's more people making less things, you know. And sometimes with some artists you've got to wait three or four years between a record, you know. And I just thought. You know, this is this is our job. We should just get on with it and do it. You know, <laughs> you know, this I can do this. This is this is good. I don't need to wait around for anything. You know. Well, and yes. I, I know you mentioned that you don't really look in the past very much, and you also don't really pay attention to a lot of of current artists. But I I did want to say I I know that I hear so many contemporary bands that I think are definitely influenced by your sound. And you even had Miley Cyrus doing a 
Heaven in Las Vegas recently. I was wondering what your thoughts are on that and, and just your influence. How do you feel about your legacy or that's concerned? I think that the Miley Cyrus thing was quite interesting because I have no idea who she is uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, so that was a bit of a surprise, but, you know, I know. Uh, it's like, it can only be, uh, there's people out there doing cover versions of songs, and I think this Cocktail Twins are particularly difficult band to make a cover version of unless mm-hmm. you take the song and completely make it your own you know but if you try to go anywhere near sounding like elizabeth or sounding like the way i made the music that uh, it doesn't i think that's a bit difficult for people but i have had some people just you know oh, perhaps making acoustic versions or just doing things and you know making it their own and that's that's you know that's uh, a little flattering isn't it it's kind of cool I don't listen to it. <laughs> you know, I, don't. Uh, I mean, you know, why not? And and you know what? It's not anything that I that feels out of the ordinary. It's like I've been doing this for quite a long time, and you know, every year that passes, there's more and more people coming and making music. And if there's anything like me when I was younger, you listen to things by people that were already doing it. So doesn't really it's, it seems like a natural scheme of things to be you know uh perhaps influential but just by the fact that you're still doing it perhaps mm-hmm. or the fact that it was a wee bit away from its time when it first happened you know so i don't really take credit for that if you know what i mean it's uh seems to be the way of things but you know i've met an awful lot of uh, people in bands and yeah, uh, predominantly the ones that are really, really much younger than me that are a bit sort of impressed and sort of, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's flattering, it's nice, it's it's good. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I hear things on, on, on I was going to say on the radio, but who listens to the radio now? You know what I mean? I hear things mm-hmm. on the TV, like commercials, and I'm like, what? That's, huh? no. Oh, no, it's not me. <laughs> you know, it's, you know it's, it could be, you know, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I get that. But, you know, technology as well has allowed an awful lot more people to make, uh, it's made music really accessible to the masses, making music, because it used to be quite an elitist thing. I mean, you in the olden days, you had, first of all, you had to learn an instrument. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. You, had to sound, you had to try to get signed to a label because who could afford to go in a studio? You know, yeah. uh, the, you know the, the, making music has become completely democratized. Anybody can do it. You got a cell phone or a pad or a computer, you can do it now. Same with photography. Everyone's a photographer. Nobody goes to photo school for seven years anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I was uh, yeah. speaking with my, my uh, father in law about that. And he said, I'm like, how come, you know, every time I make a print, it's like, it's okay. And you come into the dark room and you just wave your fingers by and you do a couple of things and it just comes out perfect. And he's going, well, uh, 50 years doing the job and seven years at photo school? I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> makes, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's not, it's a wee bit away from the Instagram filter, but, uh, you know, so these things are, you know, and what you, what our people like me have to remember all the time is there's no, laurels to sit on because every every day there's new young talented people coming out and doing things uh 
you know, whether the, the genres of music change or evolve, that's a different question. But certainly people have their own voice coming. I mean, how many uh, really successful, well-known, you know, chart, you know, singers are there now that are effectively singing, you know, the type of songs and production that have been around since the 50s and 60s? Mm-hmm. The thing that they bring to it is their individual voice. Not going to be the same as somebody else's voice. But, it's, but as far as the genre busting goes, it doesn't bust anything. The, the, you know, a lot of things are really fairly sort of static in, in that way. It seems to me. Well, I think that covers all my questions. I guess before we go, is there anything else you want to add about your new releases or anything else you want to promote in the future or any uh, final thoughts you had about that? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not looking forward to final thoughts, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't really have a... I mean, it's a bit of a novelty even doing promotion because, you know, I kind of... <clears throat> I just wanted to try it. You know, I've, I've not really come from a world where uh, we do podcasts and things. Mm-hmm. Never really Having said that, I listen to loads of them. You know, I listen. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, I listen to an awful lot of spoken words and stuff like that. So it kind of makes sense. It's just I've never been part of that. I was it, it, I was kind of like, I was thinking, is that a journalist? You know, it's not their job to just write everything down and let people read it. And then I think, oh wait a minute, young people don't really read things anymore. They watch things. That's a bit sweeping. Okay, okay, I should take that back. But yeah. you know. If, if you do a big long thing, and, and because there's so many musicians and artists out there, as a journalist, you've got far more things to write about, and yeah. you've got time to write all that. So let's just do a podcast. Well, I always like to close my episodes on the songs. So is there any song from these releases you think would be fitting to to end the show on with? I don't really have I don't really have any favorites because I kind of uh, well we didn't really talk about this, but when I construct a, a record it's the running order is really 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 critical for me because i just i see them as just being like for instance mockingbird love it is four titles yeah but for me it's one ep yeah, it's 13 minutes and it just goes exactly from where it's meant to go to where it's meant to go and i i actually sort of lose sleep over getting the sequencing right because it's a really really important uh uh, part of making a, an album, and that's been again going back to Cocktails days. So was, you know, except it's different now because in those days you had to do it for vinyl, so you had to, uh, the tracks, the last track on the first side would be the, the one that made you want to put on the second side, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, so yeah, I, don't, I couldn't pick one. I mean, if you had 30 minutes to spare, you could probably you could play all of Mockingbird Love, but I think uh, Ocean Air could be nice out of, uh, yeah. I love that yeah, one. It's quite a balmy little, you know, country-ish vibe to that. Bit of uh, lap steel in there and stuff. Yeah. I'll definitely put that one on there. But I, I, I wanted to add to, I think that what you mentioned is is really a lost art because we live in the Spotify era when it's very singles driven, but really the, the way that an album segues from song to song, the, the pacing is, is, I think, a very lost art. So I think it's great that you're still concerned about that because I think it does flow. You know, I have to say that when I make an album per se, and I know this goes against uh, popular fashion at the moment, but I don't make it for vinyl. I make it for CD 
because CD is, you know, uh, you know, like like you said, you can disembody the, the the songs by having them one at a time on Spotify or making a, a playlist or whatever. CD is really the only way that you can have the tracks running in the order that I would like them to be running in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and yeah, maybe it's not as sexy as old records or something like that, but it sounds better. So that's just, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. and uh, and and who wants? Yeah, records are dear as well. Albums, you know, are expensive. So, no, I mean, I would, I would stick with that for the moment until something better comes along. But uh, I've had, I don't really mix for vinyl. When I, you know, there's an art to actually making something sound good on vinyl. And I break uh, quite a few of the cardinal rules for making something good on vinyl. It's part of my process to make it sound good on headphones or on a hi fi. Really messing with the stereo and the phase and all the things which are really bad for vinyl. So, if I was to consider doing some vinyl, I'd probably mix things, uh, remix things specifically for it. If I went that way, uh, I mean, I don't know anybody that listens to records anymore. People put records on and then they talk all the way through them. Because <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, we used to like. So one of the guys would get the latest Joy Division or something, would put the single on, and like five guys would sit around listening to it and listen to the A side, and then we'd go, "Oh, that's pretty good." And she would listen to the other side, we'd turn it over, and we'd all just sit and listen to it. And who listens to music like that anymore? They don't, you know. So yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as individuals, we do because we have headphones, but it's not really a communal thing, is it? Unless it's like uh, put some background on background music on, and everyone can sit and talk and stuff like that. But people don't actually gather together. I guess people gather together and do other things, but not records anymore. I wonder why that change. I guess the internet is just it's just given so many other distractions oh, yeah. that it that it's hard to focus on just one thing. These oh, yeah, days. we didn't. We, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have internet, we didn't have video games, you know, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> we, you know, it was, uh, it's not so long ago, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I remember those listening parties and, and just kind of giving a whole afternoon listening to an album and with yeah, no other, yeah. other distractions. And that's that's a very rare thing now. I think it is. We just live in a different world. Or who's got the time to do that? But, you know, I mean, the, the saving grace is headphones. I think the fact that headphones have taken, you know, uh, can really enhance your, at least you can get into an album, but you're probably going to do it on headphones because there's too many distractions otherwise. You know, with instrumental music, you can do anything. You can write books. You can do, you know, all sorts of things without being distracted by the, the text, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, good thing for could be background music, could be foreground music. Yeah, or I can't, I can't, I can't sing. So I mean, that would be the. I don't think I could actually uh, uh, ever express myself with my voice or writing something to sing. That's just out of my capacity completely. So well, I'll just I'll just do this. Well, I, I think your new releases are a testament to the fact that you don't have to have vocals. I mean, it's it, it has such a singular. Your voice is definitely there within the guitar notes. So I really mm. 
I really enjoy listening to them. I've listened to them pretty much off and on the whole past week. So I, I really have well, enjoyed I'm, it. I'm happy to do this as well. I don't really sort of struggle thinking, oh, if only I had to sing it, it would be better. You know, <laughs> my music is complete in its own right. You know, that's, you know, if I was working with a singer, my music would not be as complex as, as it is. You know, it wouldn't be so multi-level and it wouldn't be the kind of, you wouldn't suddenly hear something the fifth time you listen to it that you've never heard before because I wouldn't have the space to put all these little, you know, things in there, Easter eggs and stuff, you know. That's very, very cool. I, I, I love it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Rob. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. A very big thanks to Robin Guthrie for taking the time out today for this interview. It was a real pleasure getting to talk to him. You can purchase his new EP and album via his website at robinguthrie.bandcap.com. The EP, again, is called Mockingbird Love, and the full length is called Pearl Diving. And as promised, we're going to leave you with a track off the new album. It is called Ocean Air. It's a really lovely tune. I think you guys are going to dig it. And I really highly recommend getting both these releases. I really enjoy listening to them. They're very calming and beautiful and all you would expect from from Robin. So definitely uh, give them your full attention. But yes, we'll be closing out with Ocean Air. So take a listen. And until next time, you stay safe and stay sane. <laughs>